Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka, and I wanted to welcome you to episode number 123 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I hope you're doing well. I've got a lot going on in my life right now. I am leaving on Friday, probably by the time you hear this episode. I may be back because we record about a month out in advance. Sometimes it's very last minute, but usually I try to be a bit more organized. Both my kids uh, live in New York City, and my son, remember, my son is the ADHD one, although my daughter's in the process of figuring out if maybe she's ADHD too, and her ADHD might mirror mine a little bit more. But anyway, my ADHD son, the music kid, he decided um, he's at NYU, and he's just finishing up his first year. He did really well, especially in the time of COVID. We are so proud of him. So for you parents who are a little behind us, just know they do figure it out in their own time. Anyway, he's done really well in the major that he's in which is called performance studies. What they do is they study and analyze various art forms, anything from, you know, fine art to music to poetry, just any kind of art form. And they use it for social and political justice. And he really liked that major. And we were surprised because it entails a lot of writing. And he has gotten really good at writing and he hated to write. You know, when he started at NYU, he literally couldn't even write two pages, barely. It was such a struggle. And now he's writing 16-page papers. So he's doing really well. But he announced about a month ago that he was going to apply for their economics program. (laughs) I know. So ADHD, right? He took an economics class his senior year. And he realized in college, I mean, in high school, and he realized that He had a real aptitude for economics. And so, you know, he's all into Bitcoin and the stock market and, you know, how just markets move in the world and international markets. 
And so he just decided that, you know what, this is what I really want to do. And so he applied and he didn't think he'd get accepted, but he did get accepted to um, NYU's economics program. And so there's always a way, right? And we'll see how he does with that. He's going to have to take a lot of math and some science. They're just, you know, requirements. Those are two subjects that, well, science, he, he never really minded, but math, he just, he doesn't like, even though he's got an incredible aptitude for, you know, he's got really fast processing speed. So he's one of those kids that can just calculate numbers in his head. But then when you go make him use those numbers for, I don't know, you know, to apply it to something like algebra, he's just like, oh my gosh, when am I ever going to use this? So we're hoping that because I guess he's going to use it sort of, in economics, that um, he'll make that connection and he will, uh, he'll do well in it. So anyway, they are both moving. So my daughter actually just graduated. She has a job. She's working for a law firm in New York City as a paralegal. She wants to go to law school. She took the LSAT and um, she has this job. She loves it. She loves the people. She's decided she's going to, since they're taking six months to train her, she's going to stay in the job a little bit longer than she thought and maybe not go to law school until 2023. But she did tell, take the LSAT. She's all ready to go. And so both of my kids are going to be living within like two blocks from each other in the West Village. And I am going to go back with my husband and we're going to help get them moved in and get their, you know, places decorated and put together. And so, of course, everything that can happen before you're getting ready to get out of town has happened. Um, but I am really looking forward to that. So I've had to record a lot of episodes up front so I didn't have to worry about recording when I'm out there because I'm going to be out there for a while. But I digressed. So anyway, that's what's going on with me. And I haven't done this in a while. But I wanted to read some ADHD for Smartass Women Apple podcast reviews as you know, I just really appreciate those of you who take the time to post a review. It helps us get the word out so that we're able to help more listeners just like you. And as I said a few weeks ago, look, if you're in a brand new town and you don't know anyone and you're looking for a place to grab something to eat, what do you look for when you're driving around? Yeah, the restaurant with all the cars parked in front. And this is no different. So thank you for packing our parking lot. Those of you who have written reviews and Thank you as well for all of your lovely gold stars. So let's start out with a review from Half Bade NXJ and a bunch of numbers. And the caption is, thank you, Tracy, my ADHD queen. Well, thank you, Half Bade. I am a college student and this past year, my partner and my therapist both suggested to me that I may have ADHD. At first, this didn't make sense to me since I had always been good at school. But after finding this podcast, I realized that ADHD can be so many things, and I started to understand more about myself. The episodes on RSD, emotional dysregulation, imposter syndrome, and social anxiety especially resonated with me. My whole life, people always told me I was overly sensitive and emotional and that I should just have more confidence. Now I know that there's nothing wrong with me. It's just my ADHD. This podcast has helped me to accept the parts of my ADHD that are sometimes inconvenient or challenging, find workarounds for the parts that cause me to struggle, and love the parts that make me a fun, creative, and driven person. 
Thank you, Tracy. This podcast has truly changed my life. So interesting, Half-Bade, right? When we focus on our strengths, when we focus on how fun we are, our creativity, our drivenness, life is just so much easier because remember, positive emotion is so good for our ADHD brains. It's all that negative emotion that's a problem. Okay, one more review. This is Sober Shell, and it is uh, captioned ADHD Superwoman. Tracy's ability to synthesize and share so much relevant information on ADHD is incredible. She is the cliff notes on ADHD I've been needing. Tracy helped me to find my people and to start embracing my beautiful and unique brain. Such a gift. She is so personable and open to new perspectives, and I'm grateful for the world she has opened up for me. Well, I'm grateful for you, Sobershell. Thank you so much for all the gold stars and your kind comments. And I, I kind of laughed when I heard you mention Cliff Notes because I remember when I was in college, probably high school too, and studying, I would always buy the Cliff Notes. I would need to read the Cliff Notes first. So I kind of had an overview about the book and what it was that I was going to be learning about. And then I could turn to the book and read the book. And I remember always feeling like somehow I was cheating because I started with the Cliff Notes. And I'm sure my friends probably thought that too. But now I know how my ADHD brain works, right? We need that big overview. And once we have the overview, then we can move forward. I don't know. It kind of just kind of calms everything down when we know the direction that we're moving in. So thank you, Sobershell, for your very, very kind words. Okay. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, I may be doing that impulsive kind of jumping the gun kind of thing, but I'm ADHD, so that's what I do well, right? Can you relate? <laughs> and I'm kind of delighted, actually, to be introducing this subject to you, and I suspect that I'll be coming back with more episodes in the not-so-distant future as I learn more, but this is what I'm going to talk to you about. I'm going out on a limb here. Just stay with me, okay? I am going to talk to you about tapping and ADHD and procrastination. So what the hell is tapping? Well, tapping came about in the 1970s, and it's now called the Emotional Freedom Technique. I know, just a terrible name. Many people just call it EFT, which is what I call it. And it's called tapping because you're basically stimulating acupuncture points on the body. Yeah. Some of you may think, oh my gosh, she's just gone off the deep end because this all sounds so weird, but I want you to promise me that you'll at least hear me out. Because I am going to also give you all the science that's backing everything that I'm going to say here. So what we've discovered is that these body-based somatic therapies, which tapping is one of them, when combined with cognitive elements, are actually very effective for all kinds of things. Things like improving your immune system, lowering stress or cortisol levels in your body, reducing food cravings and emotional eating, eliminating physical pain, reducing test anxiety, reducing anxiety generally, sleep problems, some issues with depression, providing pain relief. And because our focus is often affected by anxiety, I have discovered that tapping also works for ADHD and productivity by calming the nervous system down so we can focus better and be more productive. I know, this whole idea is weird, and I know what you're thinking. 
Okay, Tracy, so you're telling me that if I tap on certain areas of my body, that's going to help me with some of my ADHD symptoms? Yep, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I absolutely know where you're coming from. You know, several years ago, I met a woman online who asked me to meet with her so she could introduce me to tapping. And afterwards, I felt like I had literally just met a voodoo witch doctor because tapping uses words like energy and meridian points. And that just kind of shut me down. And she also never once used the word science. And so because she didn't talk about, you know, the science that supported what she was saying, the whole thing was just too weird. And so I didn't really think much about it for years. Fast forward to today, five years later, and I'm such a believer that I'm doing everything I can to learn as much as I can about this particular somatic therapy. So in the last 10 years, there have been hundreds of clinical trials that demonstrate that tapping on acupressure points on the body can change gene expression. Yes, you heard me right. Gene expression. And there's science behind this, studies behind this. It can greatly reduce the stress hormone cortisol, and it can even change your brain's pathways. And we are talking about science when I make these contentions. In the show notes, what I'm going to do is I'm going to include all kinds of links to the scientific research behind EFT or tapping. So why does tapping work so well? Well, it's somatic, right? It's one of the body-based therapies. So it's like breathing. You know how breathing works too. When you're stressed, you can do four, seven, eight breathing. And what you do is you basically inhale your breath for four counts. You hold it for seven. You exhale for eight. Dr. Ned Hallowell suggests six, three, eight, three breathing, which I kind of like because it's the holding that I struggle with. And I think because there's holding twice in there, that one really kind of gets me out of my head and into my body very effectively. So in the 6383 breathing, what you're doing is you're inhaling for a count of six, then you're holding for a count of three, then you're exhaling for a count of eight, and then you're holding again for a count of three, and then you can repeat it over and over again. I can never remember the numbers. And so often I'll do like, you know, six, seven, eight breathing. (laughs) And what I discovered is because I can remember six, seven, eight, right? I don't know what that is, but I've made it up. And what I've discovered is that anything works. It's just the fact that you're getting out of your head, you're getting into your body, and you can't be ruminating when you're breathing, right? When you're focusing on your breathing. And so what naturally happens is this calms your nervous system down. So why else does this particular somatic-based therapy work so well? Well, EFT works remarkably fast, often much faster than other therapies. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. It's also totally inexpensive. Literally, all you need is yourself, right? And you're just sitting down, you're learning what the process is, what the formula is, and you can do it yourself anywhere. It's also updates the brain's learning. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as well. So we know that distress or trauma is often stored in the body. 
Bessel van der Kolk talks about this in his book, The Body Keeps the Score. If you're looking for a book to learn more about trauma, I cannot recommend a book more highly than his book and him. He's got a lot of YouTube videos. It's definitely worth it looking at his resources and frankly, his body of work. So Vander Kolk started his career at Harvard. He was the founder of the Trauma Center in Brooklyn, Massachusetts. I don't know if it's Brookline. I think it's Brookline, Massachusetts. He's currently a professor of psychiatry, I believe, at the Boston University School of Medicine and director of the National Complex Trauma Treatment Network. So what Vanderklok showed through brain scans was that when people suffer from trauma, like PTSD, the area of the brain responsible for speech goes offline. And this means that talk therapy isn't as effective because the distress and trauma gets encoded in the body. So Vanderkolk believed that interventions needed to be directed at the body. And that's what tapping is. You're stating the problem. So there's a cognitive component, right? But it's the tapping on the pressure points. And I'm going to talk you through this at the end. So stick with me here. It's the tapping on the pressure points that you're doing at the same time as you're stating the problem that then sends the signal back to the brain, the part of the brain responsible for fight or flight. It's called the amygdala. You're sending that signal back to the amygdala and you're telling it, amygdala, you're safe and you can calm down. And there are many studies at Harvard Medical School and other schools, many other teaching hospitals that confirm this. And again, I'm going to be posting these studies in our show notes. I want you to know that tapping is definitely backed by science. So what happens is Words don't make us feel safe because the part of our brain that gets traumatized is not the verbal brain. It's not the front of the brain, right? That's where all of our executive functions and everything happen as well. No, it's the midbrain and the hindbrain. And I know you've heard this before, but the back of your brain, the hindbrain, that's the reptilian lizard dinosaur brain. And that's in the back of the brain. And its sole focus is to keep us alive. All it cares about is When can I eat? When can I drink? When can I sleep? How can I stay alive, right? It takes care of you when there's danger. So it's brilliant at scanning the horizon for threats and seeing everything that could go wrong. And that reptilian part of your brain, it has no language. Then we have the midbrain. So mammals have a midbrain. Your dog or cat, they have a midbrain. Your midbrain is responsible for feelings it's responsible for your emotions. So if you look into the eyes of a lizard or a snake, there's nothing warm or relational there, right? Because they only have a hindbrain. But if you look into your dog's eyes or your horse's eyes, well, you can have a deep emotional bond with them. And that's because they have a midbrain. They are capable of a relationship with you. They are capable of emotion. The midbrain though also does not have language. And this is the problem with trauma. It gets encoded in the midbrain and the hindbrain, but there's no language there. So trying to convince a traumatized midbrain and hindbrain that they're okay using language, it's not going to work. We don't have the ability to tell those traumatized parts of our brain that they're safe verbally because that message only has meaning to your forebrain that has cognitive abilities. However, what does have meaning to that traumatized midbrain and hindbrain is touch. 
Dr. Dawson Church, one of the leaders in EFT, gave this example, which I find really helpful. So if you have a dog that's been traumatized, telling them to calm down, it's not going to work. But if you pet them, they'll get the message across that they're safe. So I have a little Shisu who literally acts like she's going to kill the Federal Express guy every time she hears his tires on the gravel. She knows them. She doesn't even have to see him. She hears the tires on the gravel and she runs out there and it is her sole mission to protect her family. If I tell her to stop, her name's Mochi, we call her Mo. So if I tell Mo to stop, she literally doesn't hear me. She's built herself up into such a frenzy. I don't even think she can hear me. Talking doesn't work. It winds her up even more. But if I pick her up, and usually I'm not talking, right? I'm telling her, Mochi, stop it. So I'm yelling at her, right? It literally wires her up even more. But if I pick her up and I pet her, she immediately calms down. Even if she now sees the FedEx guy and he's walking up onto our porch and dropping a package. So EFT it's just like a breathing exercise. It's just a physiological way of telling your body that you're safe. When you're tapping with EFT on the various acupressure points on your body, you're just saying to your body, there's no real threat. You're safe. You don't have to worry. The Veterans Administration now uses tapping to treat PTSD for its veterans. Some of these veterans come back with high levels, probably many of them come back with high levels of PTSD, nightmares, flashbacks, all kinds of somatic problems. Actually, now that I say that, I think I read a statistic that 75% of veterans do not struggle with PTSD, but 25% of them do. And they're not entirely sure what is it about those 25% that struggle with it and the other 75% don't. But regardless, they come back with all kinds of somatic problems, right? And somatic means relating to the body, so problems in their body. And these veterans would do a few hours of tapping, and they had literally suffered for decades but suddenly they were fine. And they think that what tapping does is it breaks the conditioned response loop of them remembering the trauma and going into that high trauma state. And they've also discovered that once they broke that conditioned response one time, it usually stayed broken, which is incredible. It's remarkable, don't you think? So these veterans would then be talking about the same incident that they had been so traumatized about for decades And they'd be talking about this incident later after going through tapping, right? These incidents that so traumatized and triggered them earlier. And now they'd have a totally different perspective on it. And the emotional arousal would be literally gone. Now, I also talked about the fact that tapping works really fast, right? Research is showing that only one hour of tapping can change 72 genes in your body. Oh my gosh. One hour of tapping is also shown to reduce the stress hormone cortisol by 24%. For some people, it's as high as a 50% reduction. So if you're completely stressed out and you go and let's say you just lie down and you take a rest, right? You're only going to get a 14% reduction. And with talk therapy, there's no significant cortisol reduction. But if you do tapping, you can reduce your cortisol by 24% and as high as 50%. Again, 
It's incredible. There are also studies on food cravings where they looked at tapping versus cognitive behavioral therapy, and they compared the results after 12 months and discovered that, again, they had similar outcomes, but it only takes eight weeks of tapping two hours a week to achieve the same results that 27 weeks of cognitive behavioral therapy would get you. There are also studies on test anxiety where they compared cognitive behavioral therapy to tapping. And they found that both of them worked equally as well, but with tapping, you only needed two sessions. It would take five sessions with cognitive behavioral therapy. I also mentioned earlier that tapping updates the brain's learning. That means that once you do it, it seems to last over time. Even more interesting, the testers discovered that when they called the subjects back a year later and asked them how they were doing, often they didn't even remember what they were initially tapping about. They didn't remember the problem or that it was ever an issue. Again, I know how crazy all of this might sound, especially if it's your first time hearing about tapping, But I promise I'm going to post all the links to these studies I mentioned in the show notes. Incidentally, Kaiser Permanente, it's an HMO. I'm actually a member of Kaiser. I think they're the largest managed care organization in the United States. Well, guess what? They've just added tapping to their list of therapies that they offer. I was happy to tell my mom about that because I think when I first talked to my mom, my mom's all about the science. And when I first talked to her about tapping, I think she was like, oh my gosh, my daughter's gone nutty on me. So I have been experimenting with tapping for several months now. I have a friend who's a psychologist who I saw use it last year with a group of her clients. And I thought, well, wait, she's a Yale and Columbia educated doctor. Maybe this tapping wasn't actually nutty and I should, you know, go back and look at it again. So I started to do the research and I began experimenting on myself. And I was using it when I felt stuck and I was procrastinating and I discovered that it really worked. I no longer felt this huge obstacle to starting things that I had to get done, but wasn't particularly excited to do. Then my daughter, who I had mentioned earlier, she was taking the LSAT and she was really nervous about it. And I read that tapping can help with test anxiety. So I suggested that she try it. And she did. And she was blown away. What she told me is, Mom, I had no anxiety at all in advance of taking the LSAT. And I was so stressed out about it right before I took it. Once I tapped, it was completely gone. She had also, during this time, moved back to New York City because it was, you know, right after COVID a couple months ago, and she was living alone for the first time, and she told me that because of this, she was having trouble sleeping. She'd never lived alone. She'd never not had a roommate. So again, she decided to try tapping for that, and the next morning, she called me up, and she's like, Mom, I have never had such a sound night of sleep in my entire life, and her sleep problem totally went away. So... The third thing that happened, or maybe this is the fourth, I have a program called, I know you know it because I talk about it all the time, Your ADHD Brain is A-OK. And what happens is our members work through it together. So, you know, by the time there's six steps to the program, by the time we've gotten to the fifth step, they really feel a sense of community and relationship with each other, right? And the deal is you have to complete the program in order to be able to move on to the AOK agency, which is basically a Facebook group of graduates, right? So they want to move on with their whole community that they've, you know, established all these relationships with. But 
And the whole point of that is then they work on what they learned about themselves and they move forward their lives, they move forward their dreams. So they really want to stay together. And usually around week five, they start getting worried about whether or not they can finish. Again, they want to remain in the group and they're stressed out that they may not be able to. So I start to hear a lot of comments about how they can't start, they're stuck, they're procrastinating. So what I decided to do in one of our last office hours is I decided I was going to introduce tapping and see if it made a difference to them. So what we did is we tapped together. Every single student who responded indicated that tapping made a huge difference to their feelings and emotions and stress around moving forward in the program and starting. And this is the thing. They could use tapping anytime they felt that way, right? Anytime they struggled to start. So I've been like for a while now, there is something totally here with tapping. I do think it can really help us with some of our ADHD symptoms. So the final straw was this, and it made me just say, oh my God, ah hell, I'm just going to tell my smart ass women about tapping. And this is what it was. So like many ADHD women, I am susceptible to migraines. Over the decades, I have come to understand that my migraines are triggered by changes in weather. They're barometric pressure migraines. When I was younger, I think there was some hormone issues as well. You know, when my hormones were bouncing around It was that and the barometric pressure, the changes in weather, I think, that would cause the migraines. So migraine medication for me, it never really worked. But what worked for me was Advil Advil cold and sinus. It just released all the pressure. And as long as I could get it early enough or take it early enough, you know, I started to learn what my symptoms were. And once I could learn what my symptoms were, if I took the Advil cold and sinus right when the symptoms started... I could totally continue to function. I was able to, you know, stave back that migraine, I'd say 95, 90% of it. In the past though, if I got a migraine, you know, before the Advil cold and sinus, I was literally down for the count. I mean, I was in bed, couldn't bear light, smell, sounds, throwing up, all of it. It was really awful. I mean, it would completely debilitate me. Thankfully, it only happened to me probably two times a year. I mean, these people who have migraines every week and uh, I, I just, gosh, my heart goes out to you. I do not know how you function because all you have to do is have a migraine one time to realize that, oh my gosh, this is seriously debilitating. But anyway, I digress. So let me get back to my story. So last week I got my second COVID shot and I was fine that day, but the next morning I woke up and I could feel a migraine coming on. So I had already taken two Advil as prevention before the migraine, and I never take two Advil, but I did. So when I got the migraine, I added an Advil cold and sinus. Yeah, that was a lot of Advil. I was worried about it, but I didn't know what else to do. And I thought I'd be okay because my migraines are typically triggered by weather. And after taking it and giving it, you know, normally it takes about 30 minutes for it to work, I realized that... In this particular case, the Advil cold and sinus was not working, and it was probably because the migraine was triggered by the vaccine, right? The COVID vaccine, the second one that I had taken, and it was not related to weather. 
So my husband and I had to drive about an hour to pick up some chairs we had purchased. And so we were driving in his old crappy truck that has no air conditioning and it was already warm at 9 a.m. And we're driving on the freeway and I'm getting worse and worse because this Advil cold and sinus is not working. And I was really getting worried that I was going to get really sick in this truck and I could feel the pressure build up behind my right eye and there was pain at my right temple. It's kind of, you know, always the signs. I was getting nauseous and weak and I was doing this weird swallow thing. which is always a precursor for me to a bad migraine. I didn't know what to do. And that's when I remembered tapping. I had read that it can relieve headaches and migraines. And it was my only shot. There was nothing else I could do, right? I was trapped in this gross truck. So I just decided I'm going to tap. And so I tapped for 20 minutes in this hot truck that was so old that you could literally feel every bump in the road. And 20 minutes later, I'm telling you, my headache literally just up and disappeared. I could feel that pressure behind my eyes pop. The pain was gone. So for me, that was the final straw. I'm a believer. I was like, I've got to talk about tapping on the podcast because if it's helped me in all these different areas, I've seen it help my students. I've seen it help my family. You all need to know about this. So let's talk about tapping and one of the ADHD symptoms that many of us struggle with, procrastinating and getting started. Now, sometimes we can't start because there's something really big and important that we need to move forward on, but we have underlying beliefs or even trauma that needs to be addressed first. Look, if tapping can help veterans who've suffered through decades of PTSD, I believe that tapping can help with that too, but that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here are those little things that you have to get done and you can't seem to start because you don't want to do them. Our goal here, and I'm going to get a little wooey on you, is to get the energy flowing so that you can move those little things forward. And we know that little things ultimately become big things, right? When we add them all up or when we don't do them and we just keep putting them off. So for me, this is always about administrative details, like writing podcast show notes, scheduling anything, literally anything to do with my calendar is a struggle for me, and pretty much anything to do with the starting around writing, you know, writing outlines, building slides, anything to do with recording videos. Oh my gosh, I've got a lot of them. They can all be such a struggle to even start. And I think it's my anxiety around these kinds of things that exacerbates my ADHD symptoms, right? That lack of focus, inability to start, impulsivity, hyperactivity. I just can't focus and I'm just constantly moving on to something else, you know, procrastinating, doing anything but the work that I'm supposed to get done. And lots of times this is the kind of stuff too that you literally procrastinate on it for like a whole week, sometimes even a month or more. And then you go and sit down and do it. And it's like, oh my gosh, that took me 20 minutes. Why was I making such a big deal about it? So anyway, I think my anxiety around these kinds of things exacerbates my ADHD symptoms by producing all these negative neurochemicals like cortisol which then creates more stress and anxiety in my body, my brain spins, and it's just a big cycle. So what tapping seems to do for me is it gets me back into my body and out of my head, which is spinning, right? It calms my nervous system down, it quiets the noise, it gives me clarity, and ultimately allows me to actually start and focus. 
Sometimes it actually makes me realize that what I need to do right then and there is actually not start. Sometimes I realize that what I need to do is exercise or go out in nature first. So it helps me to pay attention to my body so then I can actually sit down and get done what I need to get done. So can you relate to these everyday kind of struggles too? And if you can, which I think you can, (laughs) how about giving tapping a shot? Okay, so what I'm going to do next is I'm going to describe the tapping formula as best as I can here on a podcast. Obviously, it would be easier if I could show you in person or on video, but again, this is a podcast. So what I will do is in my show notes, I will post a link to a PDF that shows where the acupressure points are on the body. So then if you want to rewind the podcast, you can actually look at that document and then tap along with me as I'm explaining what we're going to do. Okay. So the first thing we're going to do is we are going to find something we want to change. So in this particular case, you know, we're struggling to start or finish something, right? With my AOK students, it was that they were struggling to start or finish the last steps of AOK. So that's what we tapped on. For our purposes here, let's just tap on procrastination and also the struggle to start something that you really want to cross off your to-do list, okay? So the first thing I want you to do is I want you to start by rating how you're feeling. So the distress, the distress that you're feeling, right? So zero would be totally calm. And 10 is the absolute most distress that you've ever felt, okay? So write the number down. How are you feeling about what it is that you need to get done? Okay, write the number down, zero to 10. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to start by tapping on the pressure point that's on the side of your hand. So you know where your pinky is? I want you to move further down towards your body to the side of your hand. This is where you would karate chop, right? And I want you to take two or more fingers and with even pressure, you're going to tap there. You know, even but really kind of solid pressure, direct pressure. And as we tap there, I'm doing this with you right now. As we tap there, we say a sentence that keeps us engaged. And what we're going to do is we're going to state what our problem is. And I know this is counterintuitive, right? I'm always talking about how what we focus on just gets bigger, but we need to include that cognitive piece here with tapping. So let's start with, and we always start with an even though statement. Okay. And you can either, you know, go along with my, you know, statements or you can also create your own. So we're tapping on that karate chop point with two or more fingers. Okay. And we're going to say, even though I am struggling to get started, that's the first part of it. Then we're going to match that problem statement with a counter statement that makes us feel calm and safe. So keep tapping on that karate chop point. So the counter statement is going to be, I deeply and completely accept myself. So we're going to put it together. Even though I'm struggling to get started, you're tapping, I deeply and completely accept myself. And that is called your setup statement. So what we're doing again by tapping on these pressure points is we're sending a signal back to the amygdala to remain calm or to become calm, we're calming down our nervous statement. And we are going to make our setup statement three times. So you're tapping and we're going to do it three times. Even though I'm struggling to get started, 
I deeply and completely accept myself. Even though I am struggling to get started, I deeply and completely accept myself. Even though I am struggling to get started, I deeply and completely accept myself. Okay, so we said the setup statement three times, right? Now, while we were tapping on that karate chop point on the side of our hand, now what we're going to do is we're going to go through the eight additional points where we're going to tap on our body. And we're going to tap five to seven times on each one of those points, okay? So let's go through all the eight points first so you know where we're going. Okay, the first place we're going to go is the middle of the eyebrow. And you only need to tap on one side of your face. I always do it on the right side of my face. But if you're left-handed, you may feel more comfortable doing the left side. You can also do both hands but I typically only do one. So you're going to tap five to seven times in the middle of your eyebrow, okay? Then the next point is the point at the side of your eye, you know, where your temple is. If you wear glasses, where the arm of your glasses would normally be, five to seven times. Then you're going to tap right under your eye. And each one of these meridian points is attached to some organ in your body. I think under the eye is the stomach, if I remember correctly. And then you're going to tap above your lip. So right below your nose, five to seven times. And you're going to say a small statement. We're going to go through it all together, but you're going to say a small statement um, while you're tapping in those areas. So you remind yourself what you're tapping about. Then you're going to go to your chin So right under your lips, you're going to tap on your chin. I'm wondering if you can hear this tapping (laughs) through my microphone. And then you know where your collarbone is. You're going to go one inch below your collarbone and you're going to tap one inch below your collarbone. And then your seventh point is under the arm, right at the bottom of where your bra is. Okay. So under, so you're under your arm, below the armpit not at the top of your bra, but more at the bottom of where your bra is, okay? And then the eighth tapping point is the top of your head, okay? So we're going to put all of this together. Now, again, when you're tapping on those eight points after the karate chop, you want to have a statement that reminds you what you're tapping about. You don't want to just be tapping and your brain's going all over the place, right? So, you know, It could be a very short statement like the struggle to start, the struggle to start, the struggle to start. And then you can also do your setup statement throughout as well. It's completely up to you. So let's put it all together and let's start with our setup statement. Okay. Remember, we're going to do our setup statement three times. You're tapping at the karate chop, even though the side of your hand, even though I'm struggling to start, I deeply and completely accept myself. Even though I'm struggling to start, I deeply and completely accept myself. Even though I'm struggling to start, I deeply and completely accept myself. Okay, now we're going to go through the eight points. You're going to tap in the center of your eyebrow five to seven times. And you're going to say, this struggle to start, this struggle to start, this struggle to start to start, the side of your eye, this struggle to start, 
this struggle to start, this struggle to start under your eye. Even though I'm struggling to start, I deeply and completely accept myself. Above the lip, this struggle to start, this struggle to start. Then you're going to go to the chin, this struggle to start, this struggle to start. One inch below your collarbone, you're tapping there. Even though I'm struggling to start, I deeply and completely accept myself. Even though I'm struggling to start, I deeply and completely accept myself. Under the arm, at the bottom of your bra, this struggle to start, you're tapping there, this struggle to start, this struggle to start. Now the top of your head, this struggle to start, this struggle to start, this struggle to start. Okay, and we've tapped through the eight points and the karate chop. Now what I want you to do is take a big breath in. Inhale. Hold it. And a big breath out. Okay, so we have now completed the sequence. Now what I want you to do is focus on the problem again. You're struggling to start, you're procrastinating, and I want you to ask yourself, how intense is the distress as compared to a few minutes ago? So I want you to rate your distress level. So if you were, remember, we're rating it zero to 10. So let's say when we started, you were a seven. Now I want you to rate your distress level. What are you? Are you a four? Are you a five? Write it down. If it's higher than a two or three, you can do another round of tapping. You can do three rounds of tapping, four rounds of tapping, as much as you need to calm your nervous system down and get your rating distress level down as low as you'd like to get it. You can also change your setup statement to reflect the fact that you're doing it again, right? So you can say, even though I'm still feeling like I'm struggling to get started, I deeply and completely accept myself. And then once you go through it a second time, rate your distress again when you're done. So you're always rating your distress when you start and then rating your distress when you're done. Your setup statement, it's whatever you're feeling. It can, and it can change as you go through each one of these tapping points if that's what you want. You know, when you're starting it out, it may be just easier to just stick with the one statement and I deeply and completely accept myself, but know that as you get better and better at this, you can literally talk yourself through what it is that you're feeling. So your setup statement is whatever you're feeling, and it can change as you go through each one of these tapping points, if that's what you want to do. You can say, you know, even though I really don't want to do this, I deeply and completely accept myself. Even though I hate this, because that's what you're thinking, I deeply and completely accept myself. Even though I feel so stuck, I deeply and completely accept myself. And then your reminder statement as you're tapping the other eight points can be whatever you're feeling as well. You know, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're thinking, like, why do I do this? I feel so stuck. I'm procrastinating as usual. I'd rather do anything but this. Okay. So does that make sense? So what we just did, that's called tapping out. We're tapping out to feel lighter about the issue or the problem. And once we do that, we can then also tap in. 
So initially we're tapping out all the negative emotion and then we can tap in the positive emotion and you can do a round of tapping in all about positive emotion by using statements like, you know, I'm accomplishing so much or I can see myself accomplishing so much. I can move forward. I feel so focused. I enjoy the peace and calm that I feel. I love the person that I am. But what you want to do is you want to make sure you get the distress down low first. So tap out all that negative emotion before you then can do a round where you're tapping in all this positive feel good emotion, right? You make this your own. Whatever you're thinking, that's what you can say while you're tapping on the karate chop point and then the other eight points. But just keep going until your distress is lessened to the point that you feel like you can actually start. And I really want you to try and give this a fair shot. And then I would love for you to let me know how it works for you. Again, if you're still confused about the acupressure points and where you're tapping, we've created a page just for you. The URL is tracyoutsuka.com forward slash tapping. And there's a PDF there that shows you the specific acupressure points that we've been tapping on on the body. So you know exactly where you're going. You can also find it in our show notes. Um, I believe they're on the specific episode. Like if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it's probably there as well on our podcast page, which is tracyoutsuka.com forward slash podcast. But if you're looking for this specific tapping PDF, the best thing would be to just go to tracyoutsuka.com forward slash tapping. I also really like the tapping solution app. I don't get anything for recommending it. It is not cheap, but I use it every day. And if you sign up, I think they have a free 14-day trial. You'll get an offer to sign up for $47 a year, which is about half of the normal charge. I've actually replaced this app with my meditation app. You know, I can meditate. I'm not one of these people that'll say I can't. I used to say I can't meditate, but I have learned how to meditate. But tapping is so much easier for me. And I think it's because I'm actually doing something physically So if you struggle to meditate, tapping might be worth a try. And by the way, kids can tap too. I believe there are even apps for kids on tapping, but it is something that they can use to calm themselves down and really feel like they have control over their emotions, right? So anyway, that's what I have for you for today. I hope you'll give it a try. I know I'm kind of going out on a ledge here, but because I have really seen it help our ADHD brains, I felt called to share it with you here today. So that's what I have for you. Thank you again. This episode of ADHD for Smartass Women was brought to you by Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, our six-step system that shows you how to discover who you are and what you're meant to do with your life. If you'd like more information, you can join our waitlist at tracyoutsuka.com forward slash waitlist. Our next session is going to start, I believe it's at the beginning of July. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. And you know your reviews really help in that regard. One more thing, if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, please go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com and leave me an audio message or reach out to me at tracy at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you here next week. 
You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.